to From the Source. I'm Michelle Brenner and I'm your host. From the Source aims to answer the question of what tech jobs are really like, both the good and the boring. Today we're going to hear from Annie Flippo. Annie, can you tell us your current job title and how long you've had that job? Yes, um, I have two job titles. Uh, my organizational chart is manager of analytics, but really I'm the head of data science. Um, currently, in this current job, I've been here about a year and a half. What does an average day look like for you? I don't really have an average day. Um, some days are very meeting-oriented, uh, so I do a lot of planning with the stakeholders. So during those days, uh, half or most of my days are in meetings and uh, trying to get uh, the requirements, what they would like us to work on. Other days are more heavily on just kind of working on insights, building models, uh, you know, building a self-service platform for our in-house sales team. What has been your favorite long-term project? Currently I'm working on, so where I work is kind of ad tech company and we work with location data. We wanted a way to target people more um, succinctly. So we're building a persona product, but not persona like soccer moms, kind of that, but it's like persona based on location where people have visited in real life, in the physical world. So um, we would call that geotypes. Um, so that has been a long, long time coming. It was kind of thought up uh, a while ago and then trying to get the data, vet out all the different data vendors, find the data that we can use to make this product. Um, it's been about a year in the making. So finally, we uh, kind of launched it about a month back. So it's a very long-term project. And now um, the sales team is trying to figure out you know, how to sell it. Um, so now it's just more of an educational endeavor for us and, and he, our clients and also our sales team. Do you think what made it exciting was the novelty of the project or because it's been in the works for so long? I'm excited because there's nothing like that in the marketplace currently. And I think um, location intelligence is very big right now. Um, it's kind of like the next big thing in digital marketing. So I'm very happy to have been part of it and like, worked on it and understood all the you know pitfalls and all the benefits. Um, so yeah, it's been in planning a long time, worked on it for a very long time. And um, now we actually have a physical product, you know, like, you know, we did a, several vertical, just kind of like a, it's a POC. Um, so we did grocery, restaurant and retail. And so this way we can try to test the market to see if there's any like uptake, like are people actually interested or are clients interested? Just to make sure I understand the project. So I go to Starbucks pretty much every day in the afternoon. So would my persona be a woman who walks to Starbucks every day at two and then at one o'clock you'd be advertising Starbucks to me? No, it's more like we kind of like, well, so we do this anonymously. Yeah. We don't we don't know actually who you are. <laughs> but like based on your visits over time, like maybe you go to uh, schools a lot or maybe we know that you are middle income, you live in Playa del Rey, say we know it's somewhat affluent uh, neighborhood. So we can see like, oh, maybe you're a mom because you go to schools a lot or maybe you are a... Um, 
kind of a uh, Uber driver because you know you go to lots of different places, go to airports and things like that. So, so based on like where you visit, we can kind of like segment group people based on their commonalities. So with that, then we can find like oh uh, we have one that is called um, affluent savers. So which is someone who's actually affluent, but they like to save money because they go to discount retail stores a lot, such as like the Dollar Tree kind of rest, uh, places. So um, that's not typically what you think. You think like affluent people will go to very uh, high-end store, like, you know, uh, jewelry store, uh, high-end restaurants, but there's some segment that's just not like that. So we can't treat everybody the same. We just have to kind of based on what we believe they are, where they're going, um, group people like that. Because our advertisers are interested in like, you know, maybe millennial singles who go out at night or maybe family, you know, family folks who have kids, uh, maybe we'll, uh, work, you know, trying to give, show them like a, a streaming channel ad, you know, so it all depends on the use case. It's so interesting how you were able to use the data to actually dispel myths and find groups of people that you can't just think up, right? You, you wouldn't normally right. think of an affluent person going to the dollar store, but there are, you know, plenty of people that are are affluent because they go to the dollar store and because they're penny pinchers, but it's not like the first thing that comes to mind. So that's, that's really interesting. What is the most boring but essential part of your job? Ah, yes. That is a large part of my job. <laughs> um, it's actually um, kind of working with vendors. So when vendors have unexpected change in data format and they did not tell us in advance, which happens quite a lot, uh, then we have to go chase down why uh, when our uh, ingestion jobs break, we have to go call the sales rep or accounts manager. Hey, you didn't give us a notice, so you can't just change that. Um, and then, so then we go, go into a big, uh, big meeting to figure out what happened. Oh, you know, sometimes some of the accounts manager didn't even know that was changing. And you know, something behind the scenes, some engineering team made some decision because of whatever reason, performance or, uh, so they, the data changes a lot. Um, you can never rely on data staying the same format all the time. So then that is kind of like essential job, right? Because without data, we can't do anything. We have to have like a steady stream of reliable data. And, and then, that, then you have to do a lot of uh, vendor management. Do you find yourself cleaning up data? Is that more your data engineers on your team? That's more of our data engineers, um, but there's always more. Um, the the raw data that comes in is never, you know, in the in the format that you can just right away analyze. So you have to kind of create more features, clean up data, you know, like just dates alone, like timestamp, <laughs> is like 50 ways to clean that up, right? And so you have to kind of like figure out what makes sense, how you do it, and. Uh, what is a reproducible way so that you understand what's coming through the pipe. So like everybody, server logs, everything comes in UTC, but we don't talk into UTC, right? Let's have a meeting at 8 a.m., <laughs> uh, 8 o'clock UTC time. Like nobody talks like that. Uh, it all is always based on local time. People have lunch at noon at their local time. People go to, go to, go to movie theaters on their Saturday nights, right? So we have to understand what is the local time? What is what's happening in that region? That sounds like a frustrating part of everyone's job who works in technology That's is right. is time zones and timestamps and 
everything that goes with it. Would you say that's the most stressful part of your job? Uh, the most stressful would be, well, currently at this job landscape is uh, your very high-end performing folks, your team members uh, giving notice. So you have a good team, you guys working well. Um, there's such a hot market right now. Um, you know, recruiters are just calling you. Like you don't, you may not be even looking, but they they'll call you, you know, through LinkedIn or through a friend of a friend, and then they're like, "Hey, we have this great job opportunity. Would you uh, would you be interested?" They're like, "Oh no, I'm not really." But then like when you hear a few of these, and you're like, "Oh, maybe I'll chat with them. It won't hurt." But you know, that's how you uh, kind of lose people. So. And it's hard to find another person because, again, the job market is so hot and uh, it's very, it takes a really long time to get somebody new coming in and get them up to speed. So every time you lose somebody, it's, it's more like a three to six month process to get an equivalent person back. So that is a little bit stressful right now. How do you manage that stress? Um, well, I try not to, I try not to kind of like, uh, focus on it because you can't really focus on people leaving. Um, all I can do is try to give them the best, most interesting projects and um, mentor them as much as possible. Uh, some of them are like um, data analysts, business analysts wanting to become more data scientists. So I always give them a lot of suggestions like what else they can do outside of work kind of projects and then we kind of talk about it on a one-on-one and like how they can improve and so slowly a, lo a lot of these um, kind of like just building up rapport with everybody that I work with so I just kind of give them suggestions and I even sometimes help them do some other things outside of work uh, just to have um, you know your job is your job I mean sometimes there's uh, ebb and flow be exciting parts of your job and boring parts of your job. Um, you can't be 100% like, oh, exciting all the time. So, you know, I don't try to think about it too much. I just hope that I'm giving them the best uh, experience while they're here. And then if they go, they go because they had to, you know, they found something different or interesting. But I, um, you know, that's why I go to a lot of meetups and I kind of help out with uh, UCLA um, so that I, I have, I know a lot of students who are either graduating, about to graduate, or have graduated a year ago, a couple years ago. So um, sometimes I tap into the, the resources there if need be. It sounds like it's actually a very positive experience because you're helping many people grow, whether it's at your company or outside of your company, uh, making sure that they are always growing and always learning new things, which is very important in tech. Yeah, it is very important tech. I think if you don't grow, you your career is pretty much over because right now every, everything is moving so fast, new technology. And the minute you come out of school, even in software engineering, I read that, um, you know, within two years, you'll be behind again. So you always have to you always have to learn. And I, I, I do that myself as well. Which skills do you find the most essential on a day to day basis? A couple of skills. Uh, one is willingness to learn, just like I said earlier. So that's, I, I think that's a skill. Um, secondly is empathy. So it is the hardest one to learn, I think. Um, and it's the one of the hardest ones to interview for because you don't know, you know, you have to be able to kind of see from the other person's perspective 
So let's say your executives who wants a, a specific product or report, and it's really it's a really difficult thing to do, and you're trying to understand why they're asking you, and so you you kind of go down the road like you know how can I help you find a solution to your problem? Uh, so yeah, those two things I pretty much think is the hardest, most essential skills. All the other skills are learnable. You could find an online class or a YouTube channel, you know, many resources to learn. So, Have you ever tried to teach someone empathy and has that worked at all? <laughs> I think I always try. Uh, I don't really teach. I just say, you know, what do you think the, those guys are thinking about? Why are they asking this? You know, um, I kind of like just pose more questions back to the person who is having whatever issues or trying to find uh, having a difficult time. Um, so, you know, then I, I hope that they take my suggestions and go back and ask the right questions. And hopefully over time through osmosis, they will come, oh, I wonder what that person's thinking about, you know? What are they trying to solve? Why are they asking me this, you know? Yeah, it's definitely one of the things I wanted to highlight on this podcast is, is those soft skills that are so hard to learn. And um, people who are worried they're not technical enough, if you have skills like that, you can really shine just by being willing to learn and, you know, jumping into all the technical stuff as soon as possible that the, having that empathy really puts you a step. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, uh, um, it's nothing you can learn in college. I mean, it's not like you might learn it through your friends, but it's not a college course. Like, and there's no empathy class. <laughs> I wish there was. If someone wanted to be you one day, what would the ideal career path look like? I don't know. I kind of like meander through my career. I had a... I had a thought in college that I wanted to become an economist. So, and I studied math econ together. Uh, the reason I want to become economist is I want to know how people, like how do you effectively change their decision-making process? You know, like increasing price, incentive, increasing demand, supply, et cetera. So um, it just so happenstance that now there's a field called data science, <laughs> which is, almost like in the in the field of marketing is all about like how do you entice people to do something um click on an ad look at the product eventually try to help them make that sell make that transaction so it's really aligned to what i originally did in in school um but my path kind of went through software engineering for many years um then product manager for many years and then the last 10, 15 years is basically all data, data field. I, I kind of enjoy problem solving. So um, in terms of like what would they do would be, I think just be very curious how to solve problem with data and then everything else will fall in line. I think um, whatever they feel like at the time, like, you know, just in time learning, I believe in that. It sounds like you had a varied experience and are all enhanced your career by learning different things yes um i don't know if it was a planned thing but i would just it just so happened that i kind of like fell in with like uh with a professor went right out of school so i did a lot of like financial programming it taught me a lot so and then just the next you know always having the next career next job that's a little bit like that but built on that so um that's how i became to where i am now so can you tell me, just more specifically, what's the the college student or the career changer 
looking to get into data, what's the entry-level job? Is it data engineer? Are there other jobs that are entry-level where they can just you know cut their teeth with a limited skill set? I think probably not data engineering because data engineering is, um, you have to be pretty, you have to understand data architecture and have software engineering skills. So that that comes with over time and with experience. I think the the um, entry level job would be data analyst or business analyst. Um, I kind of use them interchangeably. It depends on the bit on the companies. Um, so that is just kind of you know given data that's already pre formatted, ready to go. Like how do you find um, you know handful of metrics? And so this this way you could get to learn. Uh, how do you write a report? Maybe you learn SQL. Uh, maybe you will get your hands on a BI tool uh, so that you can, um, after that, I, then you could start learning more of the math stats, machine learning methods that kind of comes with kind of data science jobs. But definitely data engineering job is now split out into its own specialty. You know, six, seven years ago, they're all, everybody's like doing everything. At one, there's one guy who does everything, but now it's all split out. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing to hear how things are changing because I thought it was data engineering, but it's, you know, I'm learning something here today as well. It's really great. Do you think if someone started as an analyst, they'd be able to work their way up by learning on the job? Or do you think there's uh, other courses or anything else you'd recommend learning aside from on the job? Well, if they want to be a well-rounded data scientist, they will need to learn something outside the job. Because the job is, you, or you're solving very specific problems, and you might not get um, introduced to a lot of different methods or problem sets or other ways of solving things. Um, yeah, so uh, I recommend to everybody who asks me this, like a lot of the online classes, uh, the free ones first, you know, do the free one first, see if you like it before you spend a lot of money on it. Uh, so, you know, just learning your kind of like regressions and your random forests and, um, you know, kind of like a support vector machine, those kinds of things. Like, what are those things? You know, how do you apply them? What are the like, different kinds of problems you should apply uh, different models on? Uh, what's the pros and cons? You know, what is all those uh, things that you could... Um, that you don't really encounter in a work situation. So yeah, definitely not, not, nothing you can do everything. You can't learn everything at work, so you have to kind of supplement. So my last question is, what's your next step? My next step? Um, I mean, I just take, I would like to take more on, on more responsibility uh, and building more products, you know, managing uh, larger teams and, you know, just be, more uh, more strategic, say. Um, so right now, I kind of, you know, working on specific things for ad tech. That is that's great, and um, you know, I like to do you know more of that, and maybe in a bigger scale. If our listeners want to reach you on social media, how can they reach you? Yes, I'm on Twitter, uh, ac at ac flippo. I don't tweet a lot, <laughs> but if you tweet at me, I I will answer, and uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us today, Annie. To keep up to date on upcoming episodes or to continue the conversation, please follow us on Twitter at FromSourcePod. If you'd like to share your journey with our audience or have any questions about the podcast, please email me at FromTheSourcePod at gmail.com.